Have you ever seen a haunted house? We're going to bring ghosts from all over the world, but we haven't got the ghosts in there yet. We're out collecting the ghosts. You see rare paintings of some of our residents as they appeared in their corruptible mortal state. Trying to get the front door open. No one lives here. We can wait inside until the storm's over. Not me. I'm not going in that old house. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes. Start to shriek and harmonize. Bring, bring ghosts, come out to socialize. Well, if you should decide to join us, final arrangements may be made at the end of the tour. End of the tour, yeah. Take two. W, w Radio. Your information station. Hello and welcome once again to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this, my friends, is show number 90 for the week of October 26th, 2008. Timing is everything, and this week I have two segments for you that I chose just for that reason. First, with the upcoming presidential election, I thought it would be a great opportunity to take a detailed look at the Magic Kingdom's Hall of Presidents. It's an attraction rich in history, unique in concept, and is unfortunately often overlooked. Well, Kristen Helmstetter, who wrote her honors thesis on just this attraction, joins me to discuss its history, story, changes, and importance. In my next segment, we'll celebrate the Halloween season along with one of our all-time favorite attractions as Tim Foster and I take a fun look at the top 10 things we love about the Haunted Mansion. With so much to enjoy and appreciate about this timeless classic, top 10 might end up being a bit of a misnomer on this one. I'll have more updates at the end of the show, as well as some of your voicemails, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. For the past many months, and certainly for the coming few weeks, the citizens of these United States of America have been focused on the upcoming presidential election. And this year will be an historic one for many reasons, and it's expected that more Americans will exercise their rights and come out and vote than ever before. But what many people may not realize is that this election, and this segment, isn't about politics, parties, policies, lefts, rights, ups, downs, issues, or debates. And the candidates aren't fighting a battle simply because they want to be elected as leader of the free world. The campaigns and speeches and dinners and baby kissing is just for one thing. The goal that every presidential candidate sees as the ultimate reward, and that's being immortalized in Walt Disney World's Hall of Presidents. Now, obviously, I'm joking, of course, but with the election coming up, I thought that what better time than now, than to 
Step past the old Liberty Oak in Liberty Square and explore in detail the Hall of Presidents from its concept to history to the current show and maybe even the future. And joining me this week is somebody who knows quite a bit about the attraction. And she is Kristen Helmstetter. And what makes her qualified? Well, she's the only person I know who did her American Studies Honors thesis on this attraction. She is a Disney fan who brought her passion to the classroom. And I want to welcome her to the show. Kristen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's great to have you here. And, and first, tell me and and you know everybody else where you went to school and, and what the name of your thesis was and how you sort of were able to bring your love of Disney into uh, into writing your honors thesis. Okay. Well, uh, I went to Skidmore College, which is actually in Saratoga Springs, New York, just like the resort. And um, I was a double major in American Studies and Government. So I kind of wanted to bring something about my government major into the picture. And I also kind of thought, what could I stand reading constantly about for an entire year and not get sick of? Um, (laughs) What is more American than Disney? So um, I kind of ran with that idea. and uh, My school was really into uh, more creative thoughts and ideas about these sorts of things. So they just ate it up and really love the idea and, and they even gave me money to go do research wait a minute uh, wait disney a minute world. wait a second your school paid you to go to disney world and go on a quote-unquote yes. research trip yes there were student research grants uh given to kids that were doing you know research on different topics um i figured what the heck the worst they can do is say no <laughs> uh, i applied and they gave me some money to uh cover part of my trip down to Disney World to do my research. It was awesome. That is very cool. And uh, and the name of your, your thesis was? Um, Robotic Presidents. The, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm blanking out on it. I think it says, I think it was Robotic Presidents, Disney's representation of American history through the Hall of Presidents and American Adventure. <laughs> That's one. It was four years ago, so I'm a little hazy without having it in front of me. <laughs> And how much uh, how much time did you spend actually researching it? Um, well, it started out, we all had to take a uh, senior seminar the first semester of our senior year. And then, so uh, about half of it was done in the first semester, and then we could choose to keep working on it independently for our second semester and make it into an honors thesis. So I worked on it for an entire school year. Excellent. Excellent. I thought my research trips were long, but okay. Let's, um, like I said, we're going to talk kind of about the early beginnings of Hall of the Presidents and the changes through the years and, and, and what the current show is. And I think really, Kristen, we can't take for granted that everybody knows or maybe has seen the Hall of Presidents and, and where it is and what it is. Define the Hall of Presidents for the for the new Disney fan, maybe in, in one sentence. Okay, well, basically, it's a quick breeze through the history of the presidency as well as the Constitution and how they sort of weave together. Very good. My, All right. My Better than I could have done. I would have been a long-winded half hour into it. I probably would have gotten done with my description. But <laughs> let's talk about the beginnings of the Hall of Presidents because they really don't start in Walt Disney World. They start long, long before that, uh, really with with Walt Disney himself. Uh, it started out with an idea that he had uh, for an attraction, because, and it's very well known that Walt was very much a patriot, very much loved his country. And 
for years and years he had this concept of bringing something like that to his theme park, but it really actually started back over at the 64, 65 World's Fair. But even before that, Walt was looking back in the late 50s, maybe 58, 59, he wanted to have an idea for sort of a Hall of Presence type concept in Disneyland built around this concept of Liberty Street, which obviously never came to be. From what I understand, that was going to be something off of Main Street USA. But there was a lot of problems that he ran into, first of which was the lack of technology uh, to be able to create what he wanted to do, which were these audio animatronic figures. There was lack of sponsorship, a lot of these things. But as the 64-65 World's Fair came to be, uh, they were starting to work on the Abraham Lincoln audio animatronics figure. And that's where the great moments with Mr. Lincoln started. So instead of having to create 30-some-odd presidents at the time, they only had to create one. And Robert Moses, who was the organizer of the World's Fair, wanted this one nation under God at the fair. Instead, it was kind of scaled down for the Illinois Pavilion, which was great moments with Mr. Lincoln, which at the time was just such an incredible breakthrough because he was the first sort of human audio animatronics figure, and he he stood up and he spoke. Um, Actually, Royal Dano, for those of you who are into all the voices, was the voice of Lincoln back then. And he was obviously later brought over to Disneyland in 1965 at the Opera House. But fortunately, that sort of delay in time benefited because as Walt Disney World was being planned, they could finally realize Walt's dream. And they could have all 36 presidents up to Nixon at the time and have that full-blown show that they were looking to do so you know, so many years earlier. Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln was actually one of the most popular and well-attended uh, pavilions or attractions at the World's Fair that year. And so it really gave a lot of momentum to develop the technology and you know, take it to Disneyland and then go even further and develop it into the Hall of Presidents when they were getting ready to build Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and you know, it's funny to talk about it being so popular because when we tell people that when the Magic Kingdom opened, remember, they were using the A through E system of ticket books. Ticket books. It was an E-ticket attraction, and E-ticket attractions were the sort of cream of the crop of attractions. That You know, you're talking about things like the Haunted Mansion. Well, the Hall of Presidents was actually an E-ticket attraction as well. Again, just to give you a sense of the popularity of it. But before we get inside and talk about the attraction itself, let's talk a little bit about the building, because there's just a couple of notable bits of trivia outside. If you look you'll see that on the act, uh, the outside of the federal kind of style building outside, you'll see that the year is 1787. And people always wonder, well, why didn't they ever use 1776? That was the year of our, our independence. But obviously, Kristen, 1787 is? Uh, the year the Constitution was written. Thank you. <laughs> you better have gotten that right being an American history major. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the arch- architecture of the building is based off of buildings that you might have found in Boston or Philadelphia where the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were written. Um, You know, they have a colonial, federal style. And if you notice on the roof, uh, you'll see the steeple, you'll see uh, the the clock there as well. You'll also notice that the American flag only has 13 stars on it. And the building itself doesn't look like an old building. It looks like a brand new building, as though sort of when you step into Liberty Square, you really are stepping back into time, into the days of, you know, Thomas Jefferson and, and when the Declaration of Independence was signed. So uh, it, you, they really sort of try and immerse you in it as soon as you see the building. But let's go ahead and talk about the building and actually going inside, because I think the rotunda 
is an area that you need to spend a little bit of time focusing on because much like the American Adventure Pavilion in Epcot, there are some wonderful things to see and some sort of notable stuff in the rotunda itself. Oh, definitely. Uh, what I always, um, the first thing I always tell people about uh, the things that you can see in there is that the carpet with the presidential seal that is fenced off once you first get into the lobby is the only other exact presidential seal outside of the White House. Everywhere else that you see it, if it's in a movie or something like that, something else is just slightly off, so it's not exactly the same one. But that one is the the official presidential seal, and it's the only other one outside of the White House. Now, Kristen, that is what I had always believed all along as well. And when I was down at Walt Disney World on my last visit, I actually took, I wanted to go into the Hall of Presidents because I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I wanted to get audio of it before it went down for what's going to be a lengthy refurb later on this year. And I actually spoke to a cast member there, and it seems that you and I kind of have our facts maybe not 100% right, because the seal that's in the rotunda that is in carpet and, and sort of surrounded by the gate is a great seal of the United States, and there's only three of those in the world. One, obviously, is in the carpet in the rotunda of Walt Disney World Hall of Presidents. The other is in the rotunda of the Capitol Building, and the other is in Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia. And he went on to tell me that you have to have congressional approval or be subject to a felony in order to recreate that seal. It's also the same ones on the back of the dollar bill. That's a seal that represents who we are as a people. The presidential seal is the one that's found on the White House. You can also see it on George W.'s boots that are in one of the display cases in the rotunda. That is one that's different. That you can buy in, in souvenir stands if, or if you go to uh, you know visit Washington, you can f- you buy things with the presidential seal. It's very similar but a little bit different. So I guess all along, maybe we've assumed it was a presidential seal, but according to the cast member, it's actually the great seal of the United States. So well, you learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the show off now, folks. You've got your uh, your bit of, of trivia. So, and if and if we're wrong, Kristen, well, then we could just blame the cast members because <laughs> that's right. But he seemed right. he seemed very fall. very knowledgeable about that, and and that's going to be my. Are you first... sure you weren't talking to a bus driver? I'm positive it was not a bus driver. <laughs> no, and that was one of the first things I was going to say, is if you go into the rotunda, and because the show is about 20 minutes long, sometimes you'll get a chance to sit in there and wait and walk around. We'll talk about some of the things you can see in there, but normally the cast members who are in there are just fonts of knowledge, and forgive me that I don't remember the name of the gentleman cast member that I spoke to, but he walked around, was introducing himself to guests, uh, and talking to them about little bits of trivia, talking to them about some of the painting, some of uh, some of the things in the display cases, and really, really knows his American history and knows his history, obviously, of uh, the presidency as well. So go in and talk to the cast members, especially if you have an interest. But what about some of the things that we can see in the rotunda as well? Uh, well, you already mentioned George W. Bush's cowboy boots from his inauguration, uh, which are sort of goofy and one of my favorite things to see. Uh, and then there's Bill Clinton's saxophone, which has all these very intricate uh, engravings on it. Have you noticed that? You know, that's the thing. You you go in there expecting to see, you know, serious presidential things or letters from Teddy Roosevelt or George Washington something. And you got George W.'s boots and Bill Clinton's saxophone. <laughs> so we've come a long way since uh, since the early days of, of what they decided to, to, to put in there. Um, the last trip I made, I, I was there at the end of September and wanted to see it before it closed as well. And we were in there and we were looking at those cases. And I can't remember which president it was. 
but he had written a letter to his daughter, and it was on, you know, the presidential paper and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't sign it, like, love dad. He <laughs> signed it sincerely, President, you know, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever it was. We were both like, what is that? <laughs> I'm sure she really appreciated that, too. That's why it's there and not it's something that she kept forever. I guess. But those are the kinds of things you can see. Right. And there's also there's uh, a number of paintings in there that were created just for the attraction and just for the rotunda uh, of presidents and other scenes throughout history. That's for sure. Um, a lot of the actual portraits were reproductions. But a lot of the other paintings that you'll also see in the film are original to the attraction. Uh, my personal favorite portrait is the one of JFK. Um, I really think it kind of captures them really well. And it's not so staunch and posed. And it's definitely my favorite. It's a very different portrait than a bunch of the other ones that you're going to see in there. Um, because exactly. it, it, it's very somber. It's a very somber... It's very dark, too. Um, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try and see if I have a, a picture of it that I can put up on the site. But, yeah, it, it's very different. It sort of stands out. And it's, I think, one of the second or third ones on the left-hand side just as you walk in. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and some of the other things that you'll see in there is you'll see paintings of Washington giving his inaugural address. And right by the entrance, too, there's also a, a framed... Um, sign that has the presidential oath of office that every president says when they're sworn in. But let's go into the theater. Let's start talking about the show itself. First thing you can notice, Kristen, as soon as you walk in, is the theater is huge. You don't kind of realize it when you're standing outside the Hall of Presidents, but you can actually fit about 700 guests in there. Right. But there's never 700 people in there. No, no. Um, and for those of you you know out there who, who think that the Hall of Presidents is a place to take a nap, right, not 700 people are going to take a nap at the same time. But <laughs> I, I defy you and think that the Hall of Presidents is a good show, and we will continue to talk about it at that as we get to the end. But, Chris, go ahead and tell us a little bit about the show and sort of how it begins and some of the things that we're going to see and the scenes that are depicted along the way. Okay. Well, um, first it starts out with uh, a group of people reading the uh, preamble of the Constitution, Um, you know, sort of defining we the people. And, uh, you know, then it starts to go into a film of projected paintings, and they sort of go through this story of the founding of the Constitution and, and our country, and then sort of going through some major points of conflict in which the Constitution was tested. And, you know, we sort of go through different scenarios. We talk a little bit about the Civil War and uh, situations like that. And then it sort of concludes with a celebration of the United States and especially the Constitution. And we have the unveiling of the uh, audio-animatronic president. Right, and and it really sort of is divided almost into two separate shows. The first part you see right. on this huge 180-degree screen, which, especially considering how long it's been there, is still very technologically impressive. And then, as the curtain rises, and you see these life-size and lifelike and, and very, very accurate, and we'll talk about the animatronics themselves, depictions mm-hmm. of all the presidents, it sort of, you know, is like the second act um, of this film. And, right. you know, like you said, the first series uh, of, of films and what's covered with the Declaration of Independence and the Constitutional Convention 
the discussions and debates and the signing of the Constitution and Andrew Jackson, you know, they don't talk, unlike the American Adventure, it's not trying to use sort of synopsize all of American history from day one till 2008. It, it covers a very specific period of time because the show isn't just about the presidents, like you said, but it's about the origins of our most important doctor, document, which is the Constitution and the presidency and, and how the challenges that face the two and sort of how the two work together. Um, but I think really the show, the show's true beauty, I guess you could say, is, is and I think it's sort of kind of awesome still, is when you see all these presidential figures on one stage um, right in front of you. And you sit up close, you'll see the incredible attention to detail that Disney paid for these. Amazing. Yeah, the the uh, the animatronics themselves are really really impressive. Um, I remember coming back from my research trip and just being sort of blown away by just the sheer uh, marvel of the technology of just the you know the robots, if you will, and trying to explain it to you know the academic community <laughs> was sort of uh, a challenge. Uh, but you know, I think it's worth seeing just to see them. And just to see, you know, that they all fidget and sort of adjust themselves and talk amongst themselves uh, during, they sort of do a roll call. Um, uh, you know, just to have them moving constantly. And it's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, just from, I mean, from their heads alone. I mean, they, Disney spent, their sculptors spent two years creating the original 36 presidents and then Blaine Gibson who's a legendary Disney sculptor sort of was forced out of retirement almost to create um, Ford Carter Reagan um, I believe he did Bill Clinton as well I'm, I'm not 100% sure he did, did both Bushes okay and Bill Clinton. yeah so yep. the poor guy I mean he's like 110 years old but they're still bringing him back because he is the very best and if you I mean if I actually like sitting farther back so you get a full scope of the stage, but if you sit up close, you can see a lot of those details and a lot of things that 99.9% of the guests will never realize is the amount of authenticity. And that's kind of the hallmark of the Hall of Presidents because from the furniture to the wigs to the costumes to what they're wearing are accurate reproductions down to the very last detail. Um, the, the way that they created and and hand-stitched the costumes for the early presidents were using the exact same techniques that they would have used back in the 1700s. And they took that detail and brought it up to President Bush when they made sure that they had the exact same Timex Indiglo watch on him, um, you know, that, that he wears. And that... Ties had- from the same designer of all of his ties and the, all that sort of stuff. It's just... Incredible the uh, amount of hours that they must have been putting into doing all this research, down to you know his mannerisms and uh, poring over photos of all the older presidents and you know, uh, and the only documentation was a painting. Um, all they could do was try and figure it out from a painting, and, and then they come up with these amazing figures. Right, and and it's easy, obviously, I mean easier, I should say, to do a current or, or a former president over the last maybe couple of decades because they can find out, okay, did he wear a class ring? You know, did he wear this? What kind of watch did he wear? What was his favorite color tie? Who made this? But how do you do it other than just pouring over, you know, archival photos or videos if they were available of some of these early presidents? And 
you know, obviously, certainly we would never know the difference one way or the other, but they would. And, and I appreciate the fact that they take that kind of detail. And, for example, look at FDR, who is sitting. Look very, very closely. You'll see that he has braces on his legs. Um, and again, not the kind of things that most guests would pay close attention to. And, and who would care if the furniture was an exact replica? But Disney does. And that's the, one of the things that I really appreciate. Again, this is an attraction that is now... 37 years old, uh, and still they retain that level of detail, and, and I applaud them for that. Right, definitely. And you're right. The other thing, too, is as the as the show ends and as each of the presidents is, is they're really going through a roll call um, of all the presidents one at a time, just watch the ones who aren't being spotlighted because they do sort of twitch and they move and they, you know, shake their head or they look at each other or they kind of mumbling to one another as if they're all standing there in the same room. And Kristen, it's almost, I mean, I don't mean creepy in a bad way, but creepy because, you know, you're seeing these presidents <laughs> of different generations. And, yeah, they're sort of grouped um, by different time periods. But, right. you know, to see Abraham Lincoln, you know, on the same stage as, as Bill Clinton and George Bush is, is just odd. And, and obviously Abraham Lincoln really is sort of the centerpiece of it. And he really, and it's appropriate, obviously, because he was the first audio animatronic. He was from A Visit to Mr. Lincoln. Um, and it's we know that Walt had very much of an admiration of him, and and you know I think a lot of people sort of look at him as maybe the 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 atypical you know atypical president or the quintessential president um, that that could accurately represent represent America if if that makes sense. Actually, I was, uh, actually it's, it does make sense. I was uh, when I was getting ready to do this and I was looking over uh, my chapter about this in my paper and actually I had a quote from you know another more academic work that said exactly that that uh, that Lincoln is the quintessential Disney president that A. Walt idolized him and thought you know he was just the greatest thing since sliced bread <laughs> um, but also I mean most American people recognize him and they don't have to go delve into a whole bunch of background about who is this guy who's speaking to us. We, I mean, we all recognize the beard and the top hat. He's an American icon. We just, I mean, we knew what he stood for and we all know from the time we're little kids that, you know, we celebrate him in February. Um, he's just the perfect icon for this kind of attraction. Exactly. And you certainly couldn't have, I mean, while some of the later presidents do speak, you couldn't have maybe a later president um, or one that may have gone through some sort of crisis during his presidency be the one to talk. And and obviously that's why Lincoln is such a good choice. Um, But over the years, you know, the attraction has undergone some changes in the show. And, And like I said, when it opened, this was, believe it or not, folks, this was a very, very popular attraction. And when they had the grand opening special, this was one of the ones that NBC really highlighted in addition to the Country Bear Jamboree and the Mickey Mouse Review, coincidentally two other shows that were going on at the same time. But obviously, over the years, presidents were added, um, the first being Gerald Ford, then Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush. Um, and then in 93 is when sort of the first major change happens, and not just because of the new presidency with Bill Clinton, but there was really an overhaul of the attraction itself. And, you know, there, there were, and still to this day, I'm sure there are people who may be somewhat critical saying that 
certain things are not historically accurate or certain things are not portrayed maybe in as much detail as possible. And the way the story goes is that Michael Eisner had heard some of those complaints from a, a history instructor. And because of that, there was more of an emphasis on certain things such as slavery um, in that 1993 version that opened in, in October of that year. Um, the narrator also changed too. The original narrator was Larry Dobkin. Poet Maya Angelou was the new narrator uh, mm-hmm. for this kind of quote-unquote second version or second major version of the attraction. Right. Um, actually, a lot of it, um, the, the format definitely stayed the same. And a lot of it, the content was the same aside from some minor tweaking. Um, they did, uh, in the previous version, they did delve into the Whiskey Rebellion, which I'm sure most people that are not in high school U.S. history class right now couldn't even tell you what happened during the Whiskey Rebellion. Uh, but, uh, so they left that out, and they got the new animator, and they got a new score. Um, but otherwise, I mean, they kind of, it was the same tone and the same, uh, basic premise, but, you know, a a little bit more emphasis on some of the more controversial things like slavery, but, I mean, they still don't really get that deep into it. I mean, they talk about the Civil War a little bit more and, and sort of, uh, emphasize that, the divide across the uh, between the south and the, the north and the south uh, was over slavery, but I mean these still just don't have time to get that deep into it. So I don't know. I, I guess they sort of inserted some of that stuff, but I mean there's still inaccuracies and that sort of thing. But um, I mean the, that's not really the point of the show. The point of the show is to celebrate the country and the presidency and the constitution, and it definitely accomplishes that. Absolutely. And a couple other things, too, that were notable that changed. Uh, If you pay very close attention or if you're able to get recordings and there's actually there's a great album that you can still sometimes find on eBay. Kids, an album is a lot is a big 12 inch thing made out of vinyl that you play on a record player (laughs) of the original Hall of Presidents. Um, You'll see that Royal Dano's speech by Lincoln is a little bit different than the later one. And the voice is also different. And you might recognize that voice. It's Pete Renaday. Uh, he all he was. He's Henry in the Country Bear Jamboree. He was also Captain Nemo in the old Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. And in addition to those voices, Bill Clinton was the first one to deliver his speech. You know, a, a current president deliver his speech. Leaving out the most important part. How can I forget? The fact that Hillary is the one who had the final say as to what, how Bill Clinton's audio animatronic looked. <laughs> I think she was the final say in a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was the first one to do that. I slipped my mind for a second. And really the second big change took place in 2001. And the script didn't really change, but it was now narrated not by Maya Angelou, but um, a voiceover actor by the name of J.D. Hall. Um, right who can also be found in Moments with Mr. Lincoln as Disneyland. Well, well, there His voice is also on that. I've now learned two things today. So. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, George Bush recorded his speech that he gives prior to Lincoln's speech. And I think it's important that Lincoln sort of finishes the show. It's not the current president. It's Lincoln um, that does it. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, George Bush recorded it himself um, uh, from reports from the Imagineers, and it only took them about six minutes to finish. 
Um, uh, they did it in the library at the White House. The Imagineers were invited in. Um, uh, they said they couldn't be, have been more congenial and, you know, took care of it real quick. <laughs> I wonder if they ever come down and see what their animatronics look like. It's got to be a little creepy to see yourself as an animatronic figure. <laughs> I, I would totally do that if I was. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I did at my inauguration ball on the next day down to Disney World. That's right. Well, you know what will you celebrate in two thousand nine? Well, I'm you know I'm president. I'm going to Disney World. That's what I want to hear him say. That's right. You've just been cre- maybe we will. <laughs> You've just been inaugurated as president of the United States. What are you going to do next? I'm going to Disney World to see my animatronic figure. <laughs> But that brings up the point that they already have two done. Now, is that I was going to so ask you—is that right? I, I've heard that as well. well that, I've heard that they, you know, in preparations I mean, for it, that that they've sculpted two figures, um, you know, because we're so what close. I've heard. Yeah, that that it may or may not be, be true. Did you hear that from a bus driver? <laughs> not to put down <laughs> the bus drivers. I'm kidding, of course. There's a long-standing <laughs> joke that. Uh, Many times, the, the news or the rumors that you get from some of the bus drivers is not necessarily always going to come true. Um, so that's sort of what we're alluding to there. But what I can tell you, as far as the future is concerned, is that the pavilion is going to close down in November, not just to update the new president, but they're going to do some... There's a lot of structural work that needs to be done. So it's actually going to be down until January. So if you're not going to be able to catch... Hurt yeah. There's, there's, there are structural work that needs to be done, uh, some cleanup work and some repairs that need to be done that, are, that is really going to take more than the addition of the audio animatronic figure. Again, I got that from the cast member who was working the pavilion, so I'll take his word uh, as somewhat gospel. Um, and if that's <laughs> not true, then we can blame that cast member who unfortunately is nameless at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I wanted to just kind of talk about the attraction as well, because we alluded briefly to the fact that over the years, some people have said, well, much like the American adventure, you know, this this really isn't an accurate depiction of American history. And it's, you know, it's a very idealistic view and things like that. And and I think, Kristen, that's the point. You know, this is not meant to be a synopsis of American history and be sort of a, a cliff note version of American history. You know, we, we want to have that very patriotic look at America and the Constitution and the office of the presidency, no matter what political affiliation you have you know we're all americans we're supposed to be proud of our country and i I said half jokingly once to somebody well you know nobody goes to snow white and says yeah but nobody talks about the labor conditions in the mines and the need for a labor (laughs) union for the dwarfs and you know nobody goes to norway and talks about the lefsa crisis of 1777 of course i'm making that up (laughs) because that's what we're there for we're there we're here to be entertained we're here to get that utopian look at main street that utopian look at Adventureland. You know, there's not a malaria stand there because we don't want to talk about malaria. We want to talk about the fun that we're going to have on the Jungle Cruise. And, and, and certainly we touch all the, both the American Adventure and the Hall of Presence to a certain degree, touch on some of the darker times like war and slavery and, and the Depression, things like that. But it, it's really, I, I mean, it's about portraying a positive message, I think. Oh, definitely. And I think it accomplishes that very well. Uh, I mean, this sort of was the argument I tried to make in my thesis was that, you know, yeah, it gets a little hazy in places and it's not always 100%, but that's not the point of the whole thing. The whole thing is to make Americans feel good for 20 minutes while uh, while they're watching 
know, Abraham Lincoln deliver a speech, or uh, or watching Ben Franklin over at the American Inventor. I mean, the whole point is to give a little bit of an education, and maybe even entice people to go look up what the Whiskey Rebellion was when they get home. And also just to, you know, uh, sort of drive home the fact that, you know, we should be patriotic and we should be proud of our country, no matter who the president is. I mean, I just feel good about your country for a little while. And then, you know, you're just kind of in the utopia of the whole of Walt Disney World. And, you know, it accomplishes that goal quite well. Well, and, and you're right. That because, it, look, the, the purpose of the attraction is not to bring up debates or discussions or to be a, a thought-provoking show that you're going to go out and, and debate the person next to you when you leave. It's really supposed to be, like you said, it's an emotional one. And remember, all of Walt Disney World, no matter what park you're in, you are in a fairy tale environment. You're not. An, it's not supposed to be a museum. It's not a historical monument. It's not, you know, you're not going to Gettysburg to learn about details of American history. You're going there to maybe actually, one thing I think it does, though, is it maybe gets you excited, like you said. Maybe it gets you excited about history. Maybe sort of educates you in a way that nothing else can because for the first time, a kid might go in there when he's just at the right age and be like, wow, you know, I want to learn more about our history. I want to learn more about the office of the presidency. I want to learn more about this political figure or, yes, the Whiskey Rebellion, if that's what it is. <laughs> they might feel compelled to learn more about these subjects in depth. Exactly. Um, and I think it accomplishes what it sets out to do. I think it's supposed to be inspiring. I think it's supposed to be celebratory, uh, not something that fuels debate and not has anything to do with, like I said, parties and all that kind of... It, it's just supposed to be a good thing. And I think, sort of in closing, I think every American, and I think not just Americans, should see it. Because I think everybody's going to take a little something different from it. And at the very, very bare minimum... Just appreciate the cool technology used and appreciate that <laughs> for the presidents, you know, for the audio animatronic presidents in there. Um, but again, the Hall of Presidents is not just a place to go and take a nap. I, I promise you that. At least give it a try. Absolutely. Like everything in Walt Disney World, I think you should do it and see it once. And I think the, pre I think the Hall of Presidents um, is definitely not an exception to that rule. So, Kristen, I want to thank you very much for taking the time tonight to kind of do a relatively quick run-through of, uh, of the Hall of Presidents. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. With Halloween just around the corner... How could we not do something about the classic, much-beloved Haunted Mansion? And while I want to give this attraction its due course and do a full, very sort of in-depth look at its storied history and its stories and trivia and so much more, 
that might even go beyond the limits of my somewhat less than abbreviated podcast, but I promise it is coming, and it is something that I will definitely give the Haunted Mansion uh, its due, but this week I want to do something really fun, and I gotta tell you that I'm pretty stoked about this one, because a few weeks ago I was talking to Tim Foster, and he hinted that we'd be doing something about the Haunted Mansion, much to my surprise, so I sort of had no choice but to make this a top 10 segment this week with Halloween coming up, but I can assure you that top 10 is going to be a misnomer, no doubt about it. But instead of doing something like a top 10 scenes or sounds or animatronics or trivia or secrets or smells or... Is there a taste of Haunted Mansion? I don't know. Whatever from the mansion. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing to eat at the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> I defy. I'm sure there is. I'll have to figure it out. We're going to do no food so- allowed. <laughs> We're going to do something a little more uh, on a broad scope. But first, now that he's given it away, let me introduce the man who really knows how to throw a swinging wake. The, the Buddy Baker to my Exitensio, Mr. Celebrations Magazine himself, Tim Foster. Now, that's the best introduction I've gotten so far. And I didn't even mention, you know, Samantha. All right, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> How are you? Good, good. I, I, yeah, for some reason, I, I'm really excited about this, probably because I, I love the attraction so much, and I love Halloween, and, and I, I'm probably just so doped up on Dayquil at this point that it's it's kicking in. But we, we've told people what it's not going to be. Let's tell them what it's going to be. And like I said, it's, it's something broader, and these are going to be the top ten things that we just love about the haunted mansion because there is so much to love about it. Yeah, I'm kind of, I am really all over the place with mine, as I'm sure you are too. Oh, again, this is one of the ones that was tough to put together and not tough to put together because I love this attraction. There's so much good stuff. I mean, there's so many secrets and bits of trivia and aspects to it that I enjoy. I mean, I could do a top 10 things I love about the exterior of the haunted mansion. Um, just on its own. So, again, I think top 10 may be a bit of a misnomer, especially for this one, but I think we're going to have fun with it nonetheless. So, um, because you are my, my very, very special guest this week, and because I know you've worked so hard on Celebrations Magazine, I will give you the courtesy of going first. Yeah, because you're not ready yet, right? I'm totally ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I have like 700 things on my list, so. Uh, yeah, it's, I was. it was hard to stop at 10. I, I think I got more than 10 here, but... So I'll do what I always do. I'll double some of them up for you. But um, Well, the first thing I'll do, well, I'm going to start at the beginning. And I'm going to talk about just the approach to the Haunted Mansion as you work your way up there. Um, there's just something there, there's something great about as you go through Liberty Square and you enter the Haunted Mansion area. Yeah, it's part of Liberty Square, but it's its its, its own entity in its, in its own right. Besides the fact that it's in four different places in all four of the parks, which is I think is pretty cool. Um, but I'm talking about the little things. I'm talking about the, the sound of the howling wolf as you approach the Haunted Mansion. And I did notice that this this is funny. We've talked about a lot of these things in other top ten, so that's how cool the Haunted Mansion is because it shows up everywhere. But um, as it, you have the howling of the wolf, uh, the sight of the horseless carriage as you approach the uh, – as you, as you go through the queue line, uh, which is very spooky, very creepy at night, obviously. Uh, simple things like the cobblestones on the walkways – and one of my favorite things, uh, when the line is not that long, when they put up a wait time of 13 minutes on, on the time board, is, is, I think that's a really cool, spooky little touch. That I didn't catch that the first few times I was there, but now I look for it, and every time I see it, I crack a little smile. 
I love it. I love it. I'm smiling already. I think this is going to be awesome because I... 13 minutes. And you know what? Everybody can totally see it in their mind, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, they see the approach. Um, I have some of those things kind of on my list um, in different areas. Um, I think I did a four for one there. Yeah, there is kind of a four for one. I have like, I have like a nine for one uh, a okay. couple of the ways down. But I agree with you. And, and one of the things I love out there, too... Um, ah, Never mind. I'll save it for later. I'm sure I'm going to double up somewhere along the ride. But um, again, mine in no particular order whatsoever. One word, Doom Buggies. Enough said. The the name is just cool in and of itself. I love the way they look, the way they move, the the whole old school on the mover system. That they, they, I love the fact that their ability to rotate around so that you can see all the different very cinematic scenes throughout the attraction. Um, how they rotate back as you're thrown or fall, whatever it is, out of the attic window. And I'm sure hope you, that you do realize that you are being thrown or do fall out of that window and you die when you hit the bottom. That's actually why the ghosts look different and you look different. But um, Ouch. yeah, yeah, you do die. This is one of the that and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride were the only two attractions <laughs> I, can, I can sort of see where you actually die. Um, here you right. go to the graveyard. There you went to hell. But uh, yeah, I, I just love the Doom Buggies. Put one of those bad boys on eBay, and one of my kids will not be going to college. What I'll do with it, I have no idea, but I just think it would look very cool in my basement somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the studio. It would be the studio. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, let's see. My turn. I Actually, you know what? I had the Doom Buggies on there. That, that sound you hear right now is me scratching it off my list. <laughs> Which is great. But I'll save a little nuance of it for later. Um... I'm going to go one of my – I think this might be obscure, and, and this is going to date me really heavily right now. Um, when I was a wee lad and I had um, been on the Haunted Mansion when it first opened in the Magic Kingdom, I didn't realize that was the first year at the time. I learned out learned later that that was when I was there and I felt all proud of myself. But um, the Haunted Mansion made a real big impression on me. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I actually, when I was little – I got myself the Haunted Mansion record, which, uh, if memory serves, was called a spooky night in Disney's Haunted Mansion. And it's actually funny. Some of the older folks out there might remember this record. You young kids might not know what I'm talking about. By the way, you young kids, a record, that's one of those big black round things <laughs> with the hole in the middle. You know, they, they look so huge. But um, I played that over and over, and I would build little forts in my in our dining room with the chairs and everything. And a funny story that the record itself actually was a, a the tale of two kids that got trapped inside the haunted mansion. One of them I, I just found out was Ronnie Howard. I was just going to ask you if you that. knew who that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that at the time. I don't think Happy Days was even on yet, so it wouldn't have made much of an impression on me anyway. But. Um, funny story was I remember I don't remember much of the details of the record obviously it's been so long but I do remember when I was little and actually I, I take this back I must have had the record before we went to Disney World because I listened to the story so much and what happened I swore that when we went to the Haunted Mansion I was actually going to have to climb out of the Haunted Mansion and down a tree into the graveyard so as we were standing in front waiting to get in I'm looking at the haunted mansion I see a tree in front of it and I, I tap my dad and I said dad I think I think we're gonna have to climb that tree when we get, we get in the haunted mansion and uh, 
thankfully I was wrong, but I, I always got a kick out of that story. And I'd love to know what I did with that record. It probably melted somewhere a long time ago. But uh, I've met very few people that know about that record, but it's a very cool memory I had of my first trip to Disney. Well, I will tell you that that record... You made, have it. I have it. I yes. have it. And it made my, it made my sort of... I will tell you in advance my very long honorable mention list, but there was ah. actually there was actually a couple of records. There was the the, the story and yeah. song of the haunted mansion. That's the one that you're talking about. That's the one I had with yeah. with you know uh, Ron Howard. It also had Thorough Ravenscroft and Pete mm-hmm. Renaday in there. There was also another one, an older one, sort of pre um, pre Walt Disney World. It was a Disneyland one called the Chilling Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted Mansion. That actually had a lot of the actual sounds that you can that you can hear. As you go through it, um, right. that's a really cool one too. And there was also uh, there was a small, um, a small like a read-along book that had. Remember the old like seven, eight-inch records that mm-hmm. it had like a, a sort of a, a read-along thing as well. That I remember having. Where that is, hopefully in my mother's attic somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do have the uh, the story and song of the haunted mansion. Very, very cool collectible. Although, what I would play it on at this point, I have no idea. I, so. <laughs> I don't know. I actually do have a record player, believe it or not. Time to get a USB turntable. and, and My daughter my thinks it's a potter's wheel, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Next on my list, again, no particular order. Uh, obviously, the Haunted Mansion reopened after a long refurb last year. One of the things I love is one of the smallest, simplest little additions. And those are the new glowing and blinking eyes in the hallway. I think the, the the wallpaper, the legendary purple and black wallpaper was awesome to begin with. And this just, there's no other word, it just totally rocks. And Jason Sorrell, you are a genius. You will forever go down in Lou Mangello's Legends of Imagineering Hall of Fame. Uh, that was one of the things that he brought to the attraction. Again, very cool, very fun, little spooky. Love the blinking eyes. Love this. I think we ta- I think we were, we talked about that before, and I was telling a story about how I was showing them to my nephew when he was in there, and he was blown away by them, especially the point where they obviously jumped off the wall. So, very very cool. Um, my next one is I-, I love the fact that there are lots of little stories and legends that have cropped up about the haunted mansion. Um, I-, I love the f- story of the the bride who threw her ring out the window and you could see it embedded in the concrete below. I, I love the story of the the four busts in the graveyard and that one of them is Walt Disney. Um, I love the fact that you look to Haunted Mansion, you see all the ornamentation on the on the, the roof and the and then and by the windows and that they're all little chess pieces, all except for the night, which is not there because it's night inside the Haunted Mansion. And what I like best of all is that None of those are true, which is my, <laughs> my favorite thing. Um, but just a way of pointing out, I think more than, more than any other attraction, I think by far the Haunted Mansion has developed all sorts of stories and mythologies about how it came to be and what's going on inside and uh, secrets to look for and, and little nuances and subtleties. And, and some of them are... are true some of them are false some of them are legends some of them are actual backstories but just the, the wealth of imagination and stories I and mean, you, you can talk about the haunted mansion forever and, and what this means and that means and and that i think is one of the coolest things of all because there's so much that transcends the ride itself 
You know what I love? I love Tim Foster because I had that on my list. Uh, exactly. No, no. Hey, well, I'm glad I beat you to it. No, nah, dude, that's awesome because I agree with you. I love the mythology that surrounds it. And the stories, true or not true, are just, I mean, the wedding ring was just stuff of legend for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, only until recently. And people still say, oh, you know, they go out looking for the wedding ring. So I love it. I love it. I was so happy that when I, I found it and I was so excited. And then I found out. No, I think that's awesome. Um, and, and I always say, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. So I just keep telling it like absolutely, it's true. absolutely. Place, so. so especially when it comes to the mansion. But uh, yeah, one of the ones that I'm going to add next almost made it to. I guess it was our last top ten list because it was a sound, and it's the new sound of the stretching room actually stretching. I, I mean, the the stretching room was one of and still is one of my favorite scenes, not just in the mansion, but in all of Walt Disney World. Uh, now, with with the enhanced audio, and sort of the audio that, that moves around the room, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, uh, I love the sound of, you know, it almost sounds like that forcible stretching that the room is going through. It really adds another element to it, and I got to tell you, speaking of sounds in that room, if you can... Stay till the very end. Be the last person to exit the stretching room before you go down the hallway to your doom buggy and listen very, very carefully for a little surprise that most guests don't get to hear. Um, the audio is awesome. It's enhanced. And again, stay till, stay till that maid or butler kicks you out of the, <laughs> of the stretching room. Wow. You know what? As much as I had one of yours from last time, that was one of mine. Well, and, and I'm just going to take my last. I'm going to take my next one and just continue the talk of the stretching room, because I don't have much else on this. But um, I agree that the stretching room is one of my favorites. It's not just one of my favorite scenes. Everybody I talk to, that's that's inevitably the first thing they mention is how cool the stretching room. How could you not? It's it's great. I, I love I love um, I love everything. I love the reason why there is a stretching room. Um, like having to do with the Disneyland version of the attraction and the story of having to move guests under the track and all that, which we can get into at another time. But, but, but then again, there's a, there's a story behind that, you know, which is which is so cool. And um, I, we love the stretching room so much. Actually, we have two of the paintings as tapestries in our hallway, which is which is funny because if people come in and are familiar with the haunted mansion, they think that's cool. If they're not familiar with the haunted mansion, they're wondering why we have pictures of old ladies sitting on gravestones in our living room which is very morbid but um and to your point i actually i always like to offer up a tip for the stretching and actually i have two very contradictory tips and the and the first one i usually tell people to stand under the painting of the lady with the pink parasol and that being the case you'll be one of the first ones in but the contradictory tip is the one you touched on is try and be the last one out um, not only for the reason you mentioned, but my wife likes doing that just to be in the room and be able to appreciate it just on its own without a bunch of people uh, in with you jostling, bumping elbows. And, and she finds that very creepy and spooky and, and even walking out of it, kind of being alone as you walk down the hall until you catch up with everybody else. But there's a moment you can appreciate the, the, the lighting and the cobwebs and everything that's going on. And there's actually a lot to look at in the loading area, which most people don't look at because they're just looking at their feet making sure they don't step on someone or trip and <laughs> if you have a minute do look around because that's that's kind of an overlooked place and it has a lot of detail as well even just for the for the chandeliers and the sconces and the cobwebs mm-hmm. and the wallpaper and the painting and uh, again t- 
totally yeah. with you. I, I have a feeling that I'm not going to disagree with anything that you talk about during this segment. Um, <laughs> but I, look, I, I know I need to get out of the house more and all this, but I, I got to. One of my favorite things on the list, it's my girl, little Leota. She oh. is. <laughs> she's spooky, she's eerie, she's scary. But yet she's hauntingly cute in a very strange way. And there's something about that voice and the flowing dress. And Tim, I'll tell you, I've actually ridden this attraction, especially when it's empty, multiple times in a row just because I love that hurry back and the death certificate at the end. Uh, Leota Tombs, I I have always had some sort of a weird crush on you, I guess. And, you know, and, and it's... And we know that that's your your face in the seance room, but Eleanor Audley did the voice there. You get to do your own voice here. There's something very sultry is the only word I could think of and very haunting but very inviting about Little Yoda. And I just, I love, love, love Little Yoda. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. That was kind of disturbing. <laughs> I, I, I felt a little creepy as I was saying it, but work with me, people. You know what I'm talking no, about. I, little Leota was absolutely on my list, too. and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know we've talked about Little Leota many times in the past. She is um, she's adorable. I love her. So, um, Let's see. I think for my next one, well, here's what I'll talk about. The, the thing I always find fascinating with the Haunted Mansion is the number and the uh, quality of the special effects that you find inside. And what I find most fascinating is these are effects that are, they've been around for a long time. And these are classic effects from the days of theater. Um, These aren't 3D holographic laser generated CGI images. Uh, These are these are uh, an old but true tricks with mirrors and lights and reflections and so forth and and I love telling everybody who wants to know and a lot of people don't so I'm actually not going to say anything now for fear of spoiling any the surprise for anybody but when I tell people how the ballroom scene is actually done and uh, people are amazed when they hear how it works because every I think most people today will go in that room and just presume it's uh, computer graphics, CGI, it's something going on. And when they found out it's not, and and they found out what really happens, there's there's a wow factor that goes on. Because because part of it is just, I think it's easy to do the computer stuff. Well, it's not easy to do it, but it's the obvious way to do it. But when they found out how these things are done, it's just so clever how they were done. And the the ballroom is just one example of that. There's lots of other effects, and they're executed in a very simple way if you hear how they're done. But very effective, very classic, and, and that's one thing I really love about the Haunted Mansion, it, it's timelessness. Again, with you, 110%. Okay. So, uh, mo- moving away from my unhealthy obsession with, with <laughs> small plastic figures, I- I'm going to move over to a somewhat unhealthy obsession with someone else, but this time it's Paul Freeze. and a lot of you mm. people are saying, who the heck is Paul Freeze? He is your ghost host, he is your narrator, and talk about a narration truly making the attraction. Paul Freeze, without a doubt, is the perfect voice for this. Um, 
He has been a, a voice of Disney for, for years and years. He actually, again, going way, way, way back, used to do an old radio show um, called Suspense. He was, he was the man in black and, again, sort of brought that same very sort of ability to tell a haunting tale. And I think that's what he does in The Haunted Mansion. And um, I'm sure many of us on our iPods or MP3 players or computers have just the, the the Haunted Mansion narration because it's that good and it's that good just to listen to on its own and it's not just the writing but it's it's Paul Freeze and from the moment you hear him say welcome foolish mortals which is, is as legendary as anything um, it, it's just classic I love it I, to this day if we're anywhere in public and I'm leading my family down the stairs or over a step I'll turn back and I'll go, watch your step, please. Watch your step, which is, I just love that. It, I, 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 again, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to take, I'm going to use this one to go into to my next one. And it kind of relates to the old record that I used to have. But believe it or not, I have entered the modern age. I do have a CD collection. You know, I hesitate to say that now, though, because I think kids these days look at CDs and go, what are those? As they're listening to their iPod. CDs? You actually have stuff yeah, still on CDs? Yeah, I know. This, the, the coasters. You know, the silver <laughs> coasters Daddy has? Um, but one of the things I really love, and it's it's really pertinent this time of year because of the very cool holiday that's coming up soon, is um, I, I picked up for myself the, I, the Haunted Mansion CD, which you can get down at the parks. Um, I hope you can still get it down at the parks. I assume it's the, still available. Uh, is it the the 30th anniversary CD? No, the one? one I had. I'm sure there's many variations of it, but it, it has uh, soundtracks from the movies. The one I had has um, uh, soundtracks from the rides, uh, not only in Florida, but the one in Paris and, and with Vincent Price and so forth, and, and then outtakes of uh, narrations and, and sound effects and things like that. Um, but what I love to do is, is get my CD player, put it outside on Halloween night as our house is all lit up with uh, orange lights and black lights and, and cobwebs. Um, full-size candy bars if you're in the neighborhood. Give everybody by. your address. Come on, let them all come by. Let's see the paintings uh, You inside. can go to guidesmagic.com and check it out for yourself. <laughs> um, but we, I, I play it. I find the track. There's one track that's on there that's um, really just sound effects and so forth and then there's another one that pretty much does the narration of the ride as you as you go through it in the magic kingdom and i can sit out there all night long and listen to it uh hopefully with a full moon going uh a little cool breeze in the air and kids come up and, and it, it puts everybody in the mood it's great and, and the people who recognize it for what it is just can't get over it and, and we have a we have a ball with it so yeah i agree and i love that and i love the fact that they include audio from some of the other haunted mansions uh, in the other theme parks. But they're, they're, as long as we're just talking about CDs very quickly, if you don't have it and want it, go check out eBay. There was back in um, 99, I guess it would have been, there was a 30th anniversary tribute to the Haunted Mansion. And unfortunately, Paul Fries had died uh, about three years earlier, 85, 86. His son actually did a lot of um, some additional audio. And he was good. He was close not quite the same as, as Paul Freese. Corey Burton, who's also another big voiceover artist, he's been Captain Hook. He's, in, he's also done some ghost host stuff as well. Close, again, not quite the same as, as the master Paul Freese, but both very good CDs. I highly recommend picking up. Uh, as long as we're talking about things that are, aren't necessarily part of the mansion itself, I'm going to talk about one of my all-time 
favorite collectibles, one of my most treasured prized possessions in my Disney collection. One of the first ones I ever remember getting was my Haunted Mansion little wooden secret panel chest box. And if you've never seen one, you're probably wondering what the heck I'm talking about. There's a small, maybe six inch by four inch by three inch, little sort of magic box with a painted scene of the Haunted Mansion uh, on a sticker on top. And you can only open up the box through a series of sort of secret movements in a certain order. There was one for Disneyland, there was one for Walt Disney World. Again, you're talking early 70s, maybe mid-70s, that these were offered. You can still find them every now and then then in sort of varying states of condition and disrepair up on eBay. Um, Not too expensive of a collectible. I don't even know what they probably run. Probably not more than a couple hundred bucks. But uh, very, very, very cool. Wish they still had stuff like this. Um, and, And I also have... Another quick thing. I had a there was a haunted mansion board game. Um, I don't know if it was oh, like. Oh, a, yes. oh sorry, I'm sorry. You so replied. <laughs> I was going to go there next. <laughs> but but you know what? You're illustrating a point that you know you see that we all have these connections to the mansion and we all have kind of these collectibles and things that we've gotten over the years because of it's not just sort of a, a theme park attraction to us. Mm-hmm. It is. I, you, as soon as you had said that, I. I was kind of thinking about the next one. I said, I forgot about that. I have to get it. I had that game. I loved that game. Although my only memory is no one would play it for me on Christmas morning. Play it with me. All right, that's my sad story. Uh, as you were talking, though, I just I just went on the Internet and Googled a picture of it. I'm looking at it. And I went, oh, my goodness, that is so cool. And I remember everything. I think it had, it had spinning discs where you could you had to move to different areas of the board and all yep, that. Yep, yep. Look, I'm looking. I see the, the one of the stretching room paintings in there. Ah, you, boy, you made my night. <laughs> that brought back a memory I'd forgotten about. That, that was so great. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to do for net. We, we actually could have done this a couple segments ago, a couple top tens ago. Now, I'm not sure if we did. I don't think we covered this one, but it's the smell of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. And actually, I have to thank my wife for this one because she's got a much better uh, sniffer than I do. I can't ever smell anything. But um, but that that was one of her... I, I asked her what she thought, and that was the first thing she came up with. And, and she was talking about the, even the smell of the rivers of America as you, as you approach the Haunted Mansion. You get that, you know, the water river smell from there as you go in. And, of course, as you walk in... The haunted mansion, obviously filled with old, old musty smells from from a haunted house. Her, uh, her favorite scent, and I actually can say I, I smell this one too, and I like it too, is um, scene of, of the coffin and the smell of. I didn't know they had a smell, but I think they if they old silk flowers had a smell. This is what they would smell like, and um, it, it, it reminds you of your like your grandparents' house or the attic <laughs> or the basement or something like that. And, uh, um, and again, as, as we talked about in the segment a couple of years ago, uh, uh, smells are they sound, – it sounds funny, but it's a really powerful uh, memory trigger. And, and just even imagining that smell just puts you there. And I know when, you're, when you go in the Haunted Mansion and smell it, it's one of the subtle things. And, well, now ah, kids, now kids can that? identify that smell. You know, Grandpa, you, you smell like the <laughs> dead smoke like flowers in the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, now I get it. <laughs> or vice versa. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the Haunted yeah. Mansion just smells like Grandpa. Um, <laughs> all right, my, um, my next one is, is relatively broad, 
but it's one of my favorite scenes. And, and clearly, we could not go without talking about the ballroom scene. Um, I have been through the mansion, literally, Tim, hundreds and hundreds of times. But I always find something new to discover and see and a little detail in the ballroom scene. There's elements of it that I love so much. I love the guys up on top who are dueling sort of above the, the stairs. Um, I love the reproduction of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea pipe organ. I love trying to catch the organist's face, which is something that you can't really see um, unless you really sort of crick your neck. Uh, the banshees, the organ banshees that sort of are, are flying out of the top of it. The, the birthday cake scene, the the, the, the teeter-totter on the, the casket, so much good stuff in there. Um, again, you can ride over and over and over again uh, to pick out so many of the cool little details in there. And I, I probably haven't been on it as many times as you, but boy, I'm close. But it, it's so funny. Every time I go through the ballroom scene, I cannot go through it without making sure that the hidden Mickey is still there on the dining room table. I don't know why. I know it's there. I know where it is. I've seen it before. But for some reason, I don't feel complete unless I see those three plates sitting there on the corner. So and you know that you know that comes and goes all the time. Yeah, I know. That, that well, is an unofficial one. More, so. It's more here than there. Actually, it was funny because the last time I was there, it was there, but the ears were bowls this time. They're usually small dishes, but this time they were bowls, so... Those ghosts, they're so, they're so freaky. Um, let's see, I'm going to talk about the rain. And th- this is something we I know we talked about when we talked about spookiest moments from. Oh my and gosh, it rained, and, and, rained, it rained, and, it and rained, rained, and it rained, and it This is kind of an obvious one, but to me, this is pure magic when it happens. If, if you get to the Haunted Mansion, and uh, I mean, hopefully it's not pouring rain on you, but... If there is a light drizzle or even a distant thunderstorm, which is very cool, there, there is nothing that matches going into the Haunted Mansion and coming out of the Haunted Mansion when it's dark and, and stormy outside. Um, it was a dark and stormy pure, night. Oh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Sorry, I was there. I had to take it. <laughs> that is so good. And, yeah, and again, I know we talked about that one before, but that's one of my all-time if it happens, it's a wonderfully magic, spooky moment. And actually, when it does happen, I, I can usually be found looping on the Haunted Mansion over and over again just so I can keep reliving that moment. Well, see, again, I, I knew I liked you because literally next on my list Uh-oh. was nighttime outside the Haunted Mansion, specifically watching and waiting and looking for the shadow going past the window of the mansion and the lantern in the conservatory. It's one of the things I try and if I come off the mansion, especially with people who've never been there before, I try and make them stop and wait and, and trust me for just a second. It's a cool, minor, you know, trivial little detail. I just think it's something really, really neat. And the haunted mansion at night, like you said, is just awesome and priceless. And the howling dog and the thunder and the lighting and, you know, watching that little spooky lantern go through in the conservatory. I think it's just one of those little overlooked details that I love so, so much. And there, that's the thing. There's so many overlooked details at the Haunted Mansion. You can, yeah. And as you, you've done it. You can ride it hundreds of times and still sing something new, even in one particular scene, like you said. I'm trying to figure out how many we've gotten to. I got one. That, I have one left and then a, a couple of sort of honorable um, Let's see. Well, I have a couple to choose from. And, and I bet one of mine is one of yours. And 
It's the cast members. That was not the well. Oh yeah, oh, it, it's, it's an honorable mention, <laughs> sort of. Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep. A, I got an honorable mention in my back pocket. I don't too. look at them as see. I don't look at them as cast members. I look at them as they're butlers and maids to me, and I totally buy into it. But go ahead. Well, as I, I hate to spoil your first hey, bubble. Hey, don't don't ruin the magic for me and the rest <laughs> of the kids out there. Would you please go go to those Netflix? Are, next those week. are in fact uh, <laughs> employees of the Walt Disney World Corporation. Yeah. And now the the, uh, the cast members. At the Haunted Mansion, probably more so than any other attraction, are they're just the coolest. Uh, they they so play a part in the mood of the ride uh, when they open the door, bring you in, and you're not smiling. And one of the fun things that now I don't do it. I know people who do do it. I think oh, my wife I'm has sure. done it. Uh, <laughs> is trying to get the cast members to crack a smile, and. Uh, I don't know if my wife succeeded at doing it yet. I think she's done it once or twice. But but that's me. Don't do that to the cast members. They're doing a very important job. Or, if I can speak for Lou, they're butlers and maids, and they're very <laughs> depressed, and you shouldn't try and cheer them up because they live a very sheltered <laughs> Is that how I sound? <laughs> that's exactly how you sound. So <laughs> It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> but in the end, now, Lou, you've accused me in the past of maybe coming up with things that might scare kids which is kind of yeah you're like, you're totally a very cruel person towards kids and we know I, that and, and the guide love, to the kids book is I, just a ruse <laughs> i love kids but but i tell you if there was any truth to that rumor i know where it started from because i have this has happened several times and i'm sure everybody out there has a story just like this when we're in the haunted uh, or in the stretching room in haunted mansion i my sweet innocent darling daughter with me and every once in a while the cast member I'm, I'm sorry the butler or the maid will pick out somebody in the crowd and make it a point to you know sidle over next to them sidle kind of, kind of stick sidle well you can't walk over when you, that doesn't make any sense um, stand next to them give them a a, a, a glaring stare maybe a little boop when the lights go out and sure, sure enough my daughter got the treatment from one of the uh, butlers and uh, scared her to death it was awesome I loved it but but every once in a while it happens but uh, but again they, they do such a great job in there of, of, of do, doing their role and and you know adding to the mood of the whole place and just, just a shout out to them. They do a fantastic job. I'm with you. I, I'm totally with you. But I know they're they're but they're butlers and maids. I know. Yeah, don't ruin the magic, right? The um, the last <laughs> one, sort of on my my quote unquote official list, um, is our Exitencio and Buddy Baker. They wrote the words and the music respectively for Grim Grinning Ghosts. How can you not mention the song that's heard throughout the attraction? And, and what I love about it is that you hear it in a variety of different formats and styles. It's both haunting yet uplifting and it's eerie and it's fun, much like you. Um, I think it's just one of the eerie? best... <laughs> it is one of the best pieces of music uh, in Disney. And again, it's, you know, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean and it's a small world. I mean, everybody loves and knows the theme from Haunted Mansion and you have Exitencio and Buddy Baker to thank for that. Yeah, I let my daughter and I actually picked out the opening organ melody from, from the early part of the ride. We were so happy when we figured that out. 
which which was great. Um, I, I think we kind of got to the end of my list. I have an honorable mention. Uh, Lay it on me. Go ahead. Now I, I know this is a you know a podcast, and you know we're actually not on camera, but uh, f- for just just to humor me, I'd like a show of hands out there of everybody who's riding their doom buggies, gets to the last scene with the hitchhiking ghost, fess up. You all move over to make room for the ghost, don't you? I know you do it. I do it. You, if I'm right alone, here. I'm with you. Scoot over. Say, you doing okay? Put your arm around him. You know. That, that's my honorable mention. One little piece de resistance as you leave the haunted mansion. All it's right. funny. I like, I like watching everybody, and they're all doing the same thing. They're like, moving over, looking behind. Very good. It is. It is. I will tell you that it is on my list of, of the honorable mentions, and I am going to unapologetically tell you that my honorable mention is many honorable mentions. I am not going to explain. I'll just sort of run through them. You know, for the most part, what I'm talking about. So here's my honorable mention list with oh, my. I'm going to kick my feet up. Yeah, that. kick your feet. This is like another 45 minutes. I, right, I assure you. Go, Luke. Here we go. Ready? Honorable mentions, haunted mentions of the top 5,000 things that we love about <laughs> it. The tombstones. Of course, and the Leota tombstone, and the, the the references and to the Imagineers, the red rose on Master Gracie's tombstone, classic. Love that detail. The coffins that are actually columns that flank the front door. Look up past the lawn very very closely. You'll see that the columns are in the shape of coffins. The mausoleum inscriptions as you come out. Stop. Read them. Some of them are hilarious. The pet cemetery again. Overlooked detail. Love it. The red eyes, the little painted red eyes on the faces of the dogs' heads that make up the ironwork of the benches outside in sort of the courtyard area. Again, small detail, 99.9% of the de- people don't notice it. I see it. I love it. The Mellow Men, the, the five singing bus, Thor Ravenscroft and his crew, Raleigh Crump and his designs that start off with his walk-through wax museum that actually made it into the Haunted Mansion, the Howling Dog and the Thunder at Night. We touched on it before. Love it. Can just sit there and look and listen. The tick-tock sound of the 13-hour clock that goes backwards. Love it. The library with the moving books and the busts that follow you. The the guy in the coffin that goes, let me out of here. Let, let, let me out of here. That's my best impression. Sorry, that's all you get. I thought that was always you and the dude buggy behind me. <laughs> One of the new additions, the new Escher-style staircases. That Love scene, that. yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't go without mentioning that. The butlers and maids, the ones that totally get it. The ones that, yes, they buy into it and they are totally in character. They are butlers and maids to me. The missing well. If you remember way back when, there used to be a well that used to be outside the gates, surrounded by that circle of cobblestones. Sad to see it go. Missed it. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, one of my favorites that 99.999% of guests will never get to see is sort of the back entrance and the cast member area known as the servants' quarters. Back there, if you happen to get back there for one reason or another, there are all different room keys, and there are some room keys that are noticeably missing. There's also chamber bells. Uh, You know, way back when in mansions... There would be sort of a string in the different rooms that would ring a bell down in the servants' quarters that, and would summon the servants up to the room. Well, there's a number of them for rooms there, and they are to Madame Leota's boudoir, Ambassador Xavier's, as an ex lounging lodge, 
Grandfather McKim's resting room for Imagineer Sam McKim, Uncle Davis's sleeping salon for Imagineer Mark Davis, Master Gracie's bedchamber, Colonel Coates's bivouac berth, that's for Claude Coates, and finally Professor, Professor Wathel's reposing lounge, that was Wathel Rogers, he was sort of the father of audio animatronics. Uh, that to me is one of the coolest things and I'll see if I have a picture and, and post it up in this week's show notes so that is like the most honorable mention of my 50 honorable mentions to my <laughs> top 10 things that I love about the Haunted Mansion there are obviously many 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 more as always I invite you guys the listeners come over to the forums we'll start a thread your top 10 things that you love about the Haunted Mansion Either agree, disagree with some of the stuff on our list, add stuff of your own. Again, smells, sights, sounds, tastes, moments, people, whatever they may be. And of course, Tim Foster, I have to say thank you again for for joining me on this top 10, taking time out of your your busy work over there with Celebrations Magazine um, to, to join me this week. You know what I'm taking time out of? And I'll throw it in there. I love <laughs> The Haunted Mansion so much. The Haunted Mansion movie is on tonight. I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, I like it. I'll admit it. It's not okay. pirates, but it's good. <laughs> it's not as cool to me as the servants' quarters, but that's okay. Awesome <laughs> special effects. Watch it. <laughs> awesome special effects. Uh, you got to give it that. Um, yeah, you definitely have to give them the mansion movies. Awesome. I, I, I just really like watching the movie and picking up the references to the to the ride. That's I get the most. Kicked. There's a lot, and there's yeah, a, a ton to it. Very cool. The, the Haunted Mansion movie, I think, gets uh, more more grief than it should because I think it's actually yeah. pretty good, too. So yeah. go check that out. Go get the CDs. Get up there on eBay. Go get that old Haunted Mansion game. Gather around Tim Foster's dining room table. Tim Foster, <laughs> a guide to the magic. <laughs> so, oh, I still want that game. Oh, God. Well, listen, <laughs> you keep some candy handy. I'll come over. We'll play the game, and uh, it's going to be all good. Plus, I want to check out your, your posters in the hallway. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks again. Happy Halloween. Same to you. Ah, there you are. And just in time. There's a little matter I forgot to mention. Beware of hitchhiking ghosts. (laughs) Hurry back. Hurry back. Be sure to bring your death certificate if you decide to join us. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in again this week. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Thanks also to Kristen and Tim Foster and everybody that called in with a voicemail. Remember, you can be on the air by calling our new toll-free voicemail line. That's right, toll-free at 1-888-703-2171. I thought to make it easier and cheaper, since nothing really is cheaper than free, free to call into the show I set up the new toll-free number this week. Again, that's 888-703-2171. Of course, I'll post it on the site. As always, I invite you to call in with your comments, your questions, your feedback, or just a hello from the parks or anywhere else for that matter. 
latest update on Celebrations Magazine is that it's now in the hands of your local letter carrier. So if you subscribed, it's time to start checking your mailbox. If you haven't subscribed, you can still get the magazine over at celebrationspress.com. And if you want to get the first issue, you can still purchase that one from the site as well. If you subscribe now, your subscription will start with issue number two. But like I said, you can still order individual copies of issue number one from the site. Again, Tim and I are really excited about the first issue getting out there, getting into your hands. So if and when you get it, like I said, call into the voicemail, email us, let us know what you think. And don't forget... We want you to be a part of the magazine. We're looking for you to submit your photos for inclusion in the magazine, or if you have a question, a comment, something you'd like to see covered, want to maybe write, send a letter to the editor, you can send it to lou at wdwradio.com. We're also looking for staff members in the areas of marketing and PR, ad sales, etc. So if you have experience in these fields, want to be a part of Celebrations Magazine, please go ahead and contact us via email. Again, you can send that to lou at wdwradio.com. And again, there'll be a link over to Celebrations Magazine in this week's show notes over at wdwradio.com. If you head on over to disneyworldtrivia.com, remember there, you can get copies of my books, audio guides, and you can also get the free preview of Main Street right from the homepage. And don't forget, too, my new 2009 Walt Disney World Trivia page-a-day calendar is available just in time for the holidays. You can get that from disneyworldtrivia.com as well. Oh, and just real quick, Going back to the website, I want to say big thanks to everybody that checked out my video of the T-Rex Cafe last week on the site and on YouTube. I really appreciate the positive feedback. And don't forget, on our show notes page at WDWRadio.com, you can still take advantage of specials from some of my partners, including All-Star Vacation Homes, Owner's Locker, and of course, Mouse Fan Travel for the best possible prices on your next vacation with exceptional service. Visit MouseFanTravel.com. Be sure and stay tuned over the next coming of weeks. I have a couple of exciting things planned for the show, a bunch of roundtable discussions, another interview I think you're going to enjoy. But remember, I still want you guys to be a part of the show. So send me your emails, questions, comments. We're going to answer more of your listener emails on an upcoming show. You can send those to lou at wdwradio.com. Again, don't forget to call the new toll-free voicemail line, 888-703-2171. And remember, if you have a suggestion for something maybe you want to hear on the show, a bunch of you guys have emailed me. We're already talking about doing some segments together, so definitely write in. Quick thanks to all of you who helped make the WDW Radio Show a finalist for a podcast award in the travel category over at podcastawards.com. Please remember, voting began on October 23rd. It's going to end on November 6th at 11.59 p.m. You can, and I'd ask you if possible to please Vote once per day, every day. That's actually once every 24 hours until the voting period ends on the 6th. You can visit podcastawards.com. I'll put a link right on the homepage of the website. And look for the travel category. That's on the bottom right. There you can click on WDW Radio Show. You'll also have to be sure to enter your name and a valid email address because you're going to have to verify your vote via email. So after you vote, look for an email from podcastawards.com. Click on the link in there. Make sure to make your vote count. Also, please give some votes over to a friend of the show, Clinton, over at the Comedy Forecast for a vote in the comedy section. Uh, And again, thank you all so, so much for listening and for your support this year and any help you guys can provide during the voting process. Remember to comment on or talk about the show with other listeners. Visit the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. We have more than 28,000 
passionate Disney fans that love to talk about anything Disney. So head on over there to, and join up if you haven't already. It's fun and it's free. And of course, if you like the show, I ask you every week, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Come over, say hi on Facebook, join the WDW Radio Show group, follow my updates over on Twitter, and of course, thank you all once again for taking the time and tuning in again this week. I'm sorry if I sound a little congested again this week. I'm still fighting that cold that I came back with. But again, I really appreciate you taking the time, tuning in. I hope you guys have a great, great week. Thanks again so much. And as always, I'll see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Tommy from Texas. Just started listening to the show about a month, month and a half ago, and been going back and listening to all the old episodes. Got done with the uh, DSI about Dino Land, and I, I have to say that I was uh, one of those that maybe overlooked a lot of it, uh, overlooked the kind of garish nature of Chester and Hester's, and uh, I was just down there recently, uh, last weekend, and I have to say that I have a newfound appreciation for the area. So I appreciate that, appreciate what you do, appreciate the uh, Disney scene investigations. Looking forward to more of those. While I still might, uh, you know, rather have something else besides Chester and Hester's in that area, I think it's uh, now become something that I don't look upon in uh, uh, utter disgust or aghast, but uh, I definitely see the story behind it and the details and uh, really have a newfound appreciation for the area. So appreciate that and uh, look for you in the parks. See you. Hey, Lou, this is Gary Hasty, uh, the dad from WDWKids.com. I uh, just got around to listening to the sounds of, of Walt Disney World. Two specific ones that, that really get me, it's, the, of course, the whistle uh, from the train, but it's that moment at the rope drop the first day that we get there in the morning, right when I hear that train coming around the bend and that first whistle. The other one is the pneumatic sound in the graveyard scene of the Haunted Mansion. As soon as you hear the poppers, the head popper coming up from the coffin, or excuse me, from the uh, the tombstone, I know I'm there. Thanks a lot. Oh, and the TTA? Yes, that one, the, the bump. Hey, Lou, this is uh, Kevin from Boston, a long-time listener, several-time emailer, first-time caller. Uh, just wanted to, uh, again, thank you for the show every single week. It's amazing. I don't know how you can keep up this quality uh, time after time. I uh, was interested to know, uh, you, today you had mentioned wanting some, uh, some show topic ideas, and I wanted to know, have you ever done the, uh, the four parks in a day challenge? Uh, I am intrigued because I'm trying to see how uh, many uh, Disney crazy people, uh, especially people that can write well and can speak well, um, have done the challenge, and uh, I recently did it, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I'd love to hear uh, your take on it and uh, and see how that goes. Uh, anyway, thanks again for the great show, and I will talk to you soon. See ya! Please exit to your left by stepping away from the cars with your left foot first. Step out and stand on the moving platform, please.